This message was presented through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, friends, we're happy to welcome you here in our workshop, Fragrance of Life. We are a team of uh, presenters, so I uh, would like to first to in introduce our team. It's called His Hands in Mission, and we come from Switzerland, as you see. And uh, I would like to just have a little overview on our activities so you can understand what we present you. The His Hands of Mission team is a, a group of missionary-minded Seventh-day Adventists in a district. I'm the pastor of this district, and uh, we have here two missionaries who are work here. And we uh, do many kinds of uh, outreach activities, not only in our district, but also outside in other churches. So we see here some teams who went out in different churches, uh, young people from our churches. The vision we have is to uh, help us spiritual revival and missionary revival to develop in, in the churches. And we uh, have a vision making disciples as quickly, as many, and as radical as possible wherever the Lord leads until he returns. Okay, so that's our goal. And uh, what are we doing? We have motivation weekends in churches. Uh, we have outreach, uh, workshops, and uh, we pre present the sermons. And uh, the churches are very much uh, revived after such a program and uh, start to do more missionary work. We also have campaigns in Ethiopia once a year where we uh, teach and preach and baptize many people. We have also a creation film and exposition um, once a year in one of our churches and we have developed a program to uh, help the creation film be more effective and bring people to faith. And we have uh, the His Hands volunteer service, which we developed and um, which makes all these activities possible because we have more personnel, we have more resources then. And two of them are here. It's uh, Amanda and Steffi, and they will present to you a part of the seminar. So Steffi is the first one who wants to present their part. Now I prepare. Good morning, everybody. I hope you you'll get my English, and if there are some questions, please ask, because it's not my native language. I'm from Germany, and now working with the His Hands team in Switzerland, and my part, this is really a workshop, it's not a seminar, we want to be practical, you can ask questions all the time, when you don't get what I'm saying, please raise your hand and ask. I will have some exercises doing with you. And um, I will ask you some questions. So if nobody answers my questions, I will just pick one person. <laughs> so please volunteer. <laughs> nobody feels. <laughs> First of all, I want to pray. I have a word of prayer. And then we start. Dear Heavenly Father, it's a privilege for me to have this workshop with us people here. And I ask you for your presence right now in my heart and in the hearts of the people. Please come with your Holy Spirit and revive our lives 
such a great God, and we need you. And thank you for your help right now. Amen. No. I don't think we should place this now on you. Can you oh. please hold it? Okay, again, welcome everybody to this workshop. Um, my part is Missionary Lifestyle, SOS, How to Help Saving My Friends. And that means I, am, um, yeah, I have to explain a little bit about me and my life. Actually, I'm not a missionary. I don't feel as a missionary. I'm just, um, yeah, Steffi Binos from Germany, and I went to university for the last, five and a half years I studied dentistry. Um, actually I'm a dentist but now God had different plans for my life and he uh, guided me in that wonderful way that now I can work four days a week for the church in that mission program and one day a week in a dental practice. So my life right now is better than I ever 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 could have imagined. Because now I know, okay, I love dentistry and I love doing my job, but when the Lord calls you, it, it's better than just doing your job. He fulfills your life and he gives you blessings, uh, blessing after blessing, and yeah, I'll tell you more later. And the last five and a half years in university, I was the only Adventist. I even was the only Christian in my in my uh, group, um, out of 50 to 60 people, the only Christian. And this is why um, this topic is so important to me, because every one of you has, I, I guess, some friends or family members or neighbors or anybody that is non-Adventist. And it's so important to reach those people. And how can you reach those people? Just by living your faith. By living a lifestyle, by living your faith, that it's attractive to other people. And who of you knows what does it mean, SOS? What is the abbreviation for? Save our souls, that's right. <laughs> Help, save our souls. And for me, if you don't um, remember anything of my workshop, remember SOS. And this will be, I think, on most of my slides. So wait for that. What do we have to know to, to live or to be a missionary, to live a missionary lifestyle? There are just two requirements or conditions. We have to have Jesus in our heart. This is the only requirement, the only condition we, we need to have. You cannot give um, a thirsty person the water of life if you don't have it. You cannot um, enlighten somebody or you, you have to set others on fire you, yourself. You have to have the fire first. <laughs> so 
Who is the water of life? It's Jesus. And this is what we learned yesterday evening. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the water that can... Um, I don't know the word. But <laughs> if Jesus is important to you, he must be important to others too. And if Jesus lives in you, you want to live him in others too. You want him to live in others too. Um, if Jesus has set you on fire, he will set others on fire. And Jesus is the one who fills your empty cup. How can he fill others? And how can you be filled by Jesus? Maybe this is a better question. How can you be filled by Jesus? And this was actually the devotion that we had right now. Studying the word, have your personal time, personal relationship with Jesus. And how can we do that? Every morning, every evening, but not just those two times a day, but living your whole day with him. And always remembering in every little decision, the little voice that you want to follow. So you want to follow God's will for your life. And with Jesus, all things are possible. Sometimes we make God small. Sometimes we are the one that um, li limit, uh, limit him. So just believe that he's the one making everything possible. Um, for those who speak German, who speaks German? Okay. I think um, this is what the cancels are saying is just for the German people because the other ones don't get the word choke. It's depending on words. But the one candle says to the other that, why are you afraid of water? And the other says, because the water kills my fire. And in German, it's a joke, but <laughs> in the other languages, it isn't. But this is our problem with, with, with our mission lifestyle. Sometimes we are afraid that the others will just mm, yeah, quench, quench, whatever, <laughs> that the others will uh, quench our fire. So sometimes we are afraid. And now the first question for you is, why are you afraid to share your faith sometimes? What makes it so hard sometimes to be a genuine um, believer or to be a genuine or genuine in sharing your faith? Because we haven't experienced mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, this is one good point. Others, or maybe you're all perfect and are always um, strong and firm in the word and you, you're just sharing your faith all the time. But what are sometimes problems or what do you, yeah. To be rejected, very good. What else? Okay, yeah. Often we might feel, um, you know, bad examples. Like, <laughs> yes. if people see me acting differently, then my words would be, I mean, who do they think? Like, mm -hmm. You are a hypocrite. Yeah. Sometimes we are, we are humans, we are not perfect, and when we preach to others, and they see our lives, and yeah, okay. So, better to be silent than to... <laughs> yeah, and I put some of the... 
some of the fears or re reservations or struggles on that slide. They think I'm a weird person. Maybe they think I'm in a cult. Um, or maybe I cannot answer their questions. The words don't come correctly or whatever. I'm not perfect. How can I preach others? Or I rather prefer not to be known as an Adventist. I, I want to be known as a normal Christian, but Adventism, maybe I hide that better. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's like that. Um, faith is some, something private, and this is in Switzerland where we are, and people don't talk so much about faith. So maybe we keep better silent, but we have an almighty God, and we have, we have a gospel that is better than anything else in this world, really. And this is what I, I have experienced. So fear not, don't be afraid, because in Acts um, chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, God is speaking, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And who is the, the I am? This is the great I am. This is God himself speaking. This is Jesus. This is the one who has power about giving life and taking life, about create. This is the creator speaking. So it's not just a little friend right beside me. It's God himself. And this is why we shouldn't be afraid. We should speak, even, even though maybe we don't have the words, even though we maybe don't have the knowledge. But we should, we should just not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in the city. There are many people maybe around us that are just thirsting for that God. And I didn't believe that. Because I was always, oh, my friends, they are not interested at all. But when I started preaching, not really preaching, just living my faith, they were interested. And now in Switzerland, I've been there for two months, and we have seven new contacts. Five are studying the Bible with us within two months. So there are people waiting. So, and in Romans... This is one of my favorite verses. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jews first and also for the Greek. So we're not ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed. Sometimes we think, oh, I better hide, I better hide my faith. I better hide uh, that I'm an Adventist. They think I'm a weird person. Maybe they think that's a cult. I don't want to justify or yeah to explain myself but um, my next question for you is um, has anyone here ever been to Hawaii okay yeah this is some people yeah you would love to go there <laughs> yeah and now uh, now imagine you have won a journey to Hawaii. But not only one journey, you have won five journeys. And you can just take the one you have. And the other four journeys you have won, you can give to whoever you want to, and they could come with you. And this journey 
to Hawaii is something maybe all oh, um, palm trees, nice beaches, beautiful weather, good food, everything included, all inclusive Hawaii. What would you what would you do if you really had this? <laughs> you would take everything for yourself, yeah. <laughs> But first of all, you would go to your friends, the ones you, want, you, you really want to have coming with you. So, and you would go there and say, I've won four journeys to Hawaii, and you can come with me. And I'm the one, I will, I will, I will, I will talk to your boss. I will tell him that you have to come right now, and I will, I will take care of everything. And we don't just have a journey to Hawaii, we have a journey to the everlasting life. We have much more than a journey to imperfect Hawaii with all the skyscrapers at the beach. We have a journey to paradise for the people and we hide our faith because we don't even know what we have. We don't understand what we could offer the people. We offer them, oh, sorry. We offer, offer them salvation. We offer them peace. We offer them rest. We offer them life. We offer them everything they've never experienced without Jesus. So maybe we are the, the only one that can talk about this, about this hope that we have. So don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid because who is with you? God is with us and he has people in this city and he has people in your, in your, in your, um, within your friends. Yes. What if? what if my, my friends, I don't care going to hell. I don't care about salvation. I don't, wanna, I don't want to live an eternal life. Yeah, this is a good question. Um, many of my friends didn't care. Many. The, the majority didn't care. But this is not my, my responsibility. This is sad, but it's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to tell them, and if they're not interested, we, we can pray for them, and we can sometimes give them a little piece of cake again and again. But if they reject it, don't force them. Jesus never forced himself. He, he was a good gentleman. <laughs> he came to the people's house once, but if they don't want, yeah, it's their choice. So, um. Now we are talking about the SOS program. I promise you, this SOS, you have to keep in mind. Um, we want to live our faith. We want to sow the gospel. We want to share it. And we want to be a soul winner, save our souls. When the people need help, we need to, we need to help saving them. By living our faith, faith self-confident, obvious, and selfless. And this is the only principle I want you to know today. And if, you, if you're leaving that room, you have to know what SOS means. We want to share our faith, faith self-confident, obvious, but in a very selfless and humble way. We want to serve others. So the first point of the SOS is self-confident. Repeat that, please. Self. 
again, self. And the, the second point is we want to make our fa faith obvious. We want to live it obviously. And we want to live selfless. So these th three points um, are helping us maybe a little bit. For me in English, it's, it's a little bit di difficult to, to bring this self-confidence thing because um, it's often, um, here I'm describing what I mean by, with those, um, with this kind of, yeah. So don't be ashamed, be, be confident. Be confident in your faith, be confident in Jesus, and take your faith for granted. It's normal to believe. It's not something that makes you weird, because we are on the right side. The others are on the wrong side. But Satan changed the whole system. He always makes us think that we are on the wrong side. We are we have to hide our faith, but that's not true. We are on the right side, and if we don't drink alcohol, that's good. When we don't drink it, that's good. And our friends would say, hey, why don't you drink? But we are on the right side. So be confident in what you are believing. Live according to the good biblical principles, because God knows why he has given us those principles. And here it says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. God knows. And God knows our struggles. But by his grace, we are what we are. We can be confident. We can be, can be self-confident. And by the point obvious, I, I mean, take your faith for granted. Don't hide your faith. Share it right from the beginning. And this is what, I, what helped me a lot in um, helping to save my friends. Because if you start right from the be beginning, telling them about what you're doing and about why are you not going with them on Sabbath uh, shopping or something, or why you, won't, um, why you won't eat meat or why you won't do this or that. But right from the beginning, you should share it. Because if you wait too long, or if you find one excuse after the other, it gets, it gets difficult. And um, I, want to, I want to encourage you, if you get to know new people, just share your faith right from the beginning. Not like uh, with a hammer and <laughs> destroying them with the truth. No step by step, but right from the beginning. And I tell you, yeah, please. Okay, this is what I'm explaining right now. When I went to university, um, I was uh, every, every uh, Wednesday evening, we had a Bible studying group. And um, when I first told my friends, they said, oh, would you come with us tonight playing tennis or something like that? I said, I would love to go with you, but I have a Bible study group. And I, they said, a what? <laughs> I said, a Bible study group. And they said, what is that? You, are you reading the Bible? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, oh, that's an old book. How can you read something like that? But they accepted it. 
And they were not interested anymore. They just accepted it and said, OK. So this was the only thing I said. After a while, they said, oh, I have a birthday party. Would you come? And I said, no, I have my Bible study group, but I would love to come. Maybe you could, could do it tomorrow or something. No, no, we couldn't. But I just, I just told them right from the beginning, when I first met them, no, I, I cannot come with you. Or on Sabbath, I, I cannot come with you going out for dinner or something like that. And then after three years, um, we got 20 new people into our... No, 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 that would be great. <laughs> into our class, our university class. And um, there was one person and he said, um, I want to make a par uh, I want to have a party tonight, it was Wednesday, to invite all the new people that came to our semester class and to get to know each other. And, and, and they said, Stephanie, would you, would you come with us? And I said, no, I, I can't. I, I would like to. I really would like to know, know you better, but um, I can't. And they said, why? And I said, uh, because I have a Bible study group tonight. And there were the new people there. And the one that invited me, he said, a Bible study group? And then to the others, have you heard that? She's going to a Bible study group. And these were the, uh, the ones that knew me already. And they said, oh, yes, she's always doing that. Every Wednesday she goes to that Bible study group. <laughs> so because I told the others right from the beginning, they were, they were defending me. <laughs> and the new ones were, oh, OK. And right now this person that told me, what, you're going to a Bible study group? He was the one last year that said, please, can you pray for me? So this is what I mean. Just little steps, but make your faith obvious. Don't hide it. Right from the beginning, when you get to know the people, just tell them. Tell your neighbors why you're doing this or that. Tell them, because they know you. They see you every day. They, um, they see that you're a friendly person. <laughs> so just don't hide it. And now the most important thing for me, you can be confident, you can be um, uh, live your faith uh, obvious, but you have to always to live it selfless. Selfless, that means humble. That means serve the other people by living out your faith. Help them, support them, pray for them, tell them that you'll pray for them. And this is what Jesus did all, all the time. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And yeah, in, in Micah, Micah 6 verse 8, it says, He has shown you, the Lord, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So this is a principle that we should have in our lives when we want to share our faith, that we do it humbly, that we love God, love mercy, and love our friends and neighbors, and to help them and support them. Okay, now we want to apply these principles. I told you this is not just a, a seminar. It's a workshop. <laughs> and... Um, 
The first question is, um, what are typical situations when you can share your faith? What are situations when you always can share your faith? There are similar situations in everybody's ad Adventist lives where you really have to share your faith because people are asking, asking questions. Work, in work. For example. Yes. Okay, this is a good point. When you, when you work, they ask, why do, don't you work on Sabbath? Or why, why do you the things uh, as, you, as you do them? <laughs> so, yeah, this is right. And what are the things? What are those things that you have to, where you have to explain your faith? Why not ask on the way? Uh-huh. What else? Vegetarian all the time. Yeah, this is good. Praying before meal. Very good. What else? Huh? Don't eat pork. Yeah. Are you Muslim? Are you Muslim? <laughs> uh huh. What else? Yeah. Why? Why the Sabbath and not the Sunday? What else? Are you Jewish? <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's true. What else? Why don't you drink? Why don't you go to the beach? Mm -hmm. Very good. And now I want to divide um, uh, you <laughs> or uh, in two groups. And I want to, uh, I want, maybe we, we do more. We do four groups. And I want you to discuss about, um, or I want to exercise within that group um, or to help each other, what are your arguments or what are your explanations to that questions they have? Because sometimes you feel, you feel as you don't really know why I, am I really doing that. Take your Bibles, give, give yourself answers, to those questions, I hope you can read them. For example, and um, the exercise, oh, I'm sorry, would be um, the friends in your job or whatever are invi inviting you to a birthday party on Friday evening. What would you tell them? They invite you to the disco. What would you tell them? They ask you, why don't you drink alcohol? What would you, what would you tell them? Why don't you eat meat? Why do you believe in creation? Why is there so much suffering? Uh, how can you believe in a God if there's so much, when there's so much suffering in that world? Why don't you go shopping on Saturday? Or you can create your own questions. Maybe you have some questions where you say, I, I always tell them that, but they're not, they don't seem to be um, responding. To, um, how I am explaining them. So I will divide the groups. Um, this is the first group. I so you you go together there, and, and you, you. Okay. This is the second group, the um, third group, and the fourth group. Yeah. Oh, you can have an Italian group. 
You can have an Italian group, okay? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Then there's one Italian group and all non-Italians go to that group. <laughs> and just uh, form, you don't have to form a, a circle or something, but um, the Italian group goes by itself. Amanda, you can go to. Okay, there are many, many questions to, to discuss, but um, what, I want to, what I want to tell you is often it's not the arguments, or most of the time it's, it's not the argument that um, gives the other person peace or rest. Sometimes you just have to ask them questions uh, back. Like if they ask you, why don't you come with us to the club? Then you tell, why are you going to the club? Or why don't you why don't you eat the why don't you drink alcohol? Yeah, why don't why do you drink alcohol? <laughs> it's not I don't have to explain myself because drinking alcohol is yeah, it's destroying your body, it's destroying lives, it's destroying society. So if they ask you why don't you drink, why do you drink? <laughs> It's not that you have to start the discussion and to shut the other person down. I don't know. It's just being wise and ask them back. And um, what we ha had in our group, give them um, a solution maybe. Give, give them a way out of that. Um, yeah. Okay. So we were, we were sewing. Um, now we want to... What, what to do while we are sewing or, or sew, sewing? Sewing, yeah. <laughs> um, um, You have to pay attention while you are sharing your faith. What kind of friends, what kind of family members, what kind of neighbors are interested? Interested people are not only the one that, that say, oh, tell me more about that. Interested people are often the ones that are attacking you with questions. Mm -hmm. The ones who, are, who have questions are often the ones that open their heart because they are interested. If, if somebody have, once somebody have a question, he's interested because he wants to have an answer. So people that attack you are most of the times open to hear an answer. And then you can tell them, are you really interested in the answer? Do you want the long or the short version? If they want the short version, just tell them why. If they want the long version, tell them, maybe you want to, to see my points out, out of, or from the Bible. <laughs> and then you can meet with them. And it works. <laughs> okay, so be careful, pay attention to the people who are attacking you and ask them, why are you asking me all those questions? Are you interested in, in a real answer, in a long answer or a short answer? And if they're interested in a longer version, so meet with them. And now, um, it needs endurance. It needs, it needs really endurance. Pray for the persons that are interested. And not just once, pray for them every day. Keep in contact with them. Invite them to small groups or to Bible studies. This is what I told you how I do it. Do you want the long, the short answer? Do you want to, to know why I'm really doing that? And then it works. And how can we apply it? What does it mean to pray for them? 
you know how to pray, but it's better to pray um, to pick one or two of your friends or of the persons you know they're open or they're attacking me. Write them in a prayer book, write them on prayer cards and pray with another person, with a praying partner from your church, from your youth group and pray for those persons, okay? So I give you one minute to shorten that, one minute, <laughs> and you pick one or two of your friends right now in that one minute, ask God for help that he gives you that person, if not, it's your homework. <laughs> one person um, for whom you want to pray, no, who you want to pray for. <laughs> and please, re remember that person when you go home and look for a praying partner in your youth group, in your church, and tell them about this project, this praying project. And he should pick a person too, and then you meet every week just for one or two minutes after the worship, after the service, or be before the service, and just um, tell each other what happened with this person you prayed for. Austauschen, um, Mensch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exchange your ideas or your plans about those persons and pray for, those, pray for them. And God will do miracles. Keep in contact with the person you prayed for. And keep in contact means not just, oh, I pray for you. <laughs> but that means to call them at least once a week, to write them Facebook, emails, whatever, Write them, let them know that you are interested in them. Um, invite them to your house. That makes every, everything so easy because if you invite them to your house, you can prepare a meal and you say, I always pray before eating. Would you mind? <laughs> if you go to them, you cannot tell, oh, I always pray. Let's pray. You can. Sometimes you can. But if you invite them, Oh, I always do that. Would you mind? <laughs> okay. Surprise them. Maybe give them a little present, write them a little card, a little note. Do something that they know you're interested in them. Keep contact. A small group. Um, this is another workshop. <laughs> but it's so good to have a, a little small group some Adventists in that group, maybe two or three, but not more. And the other ones are Protestants, Catholics, whatever. Invite them to that group and offer them a little short um, devotion time in that group. Afterwards, something to eat or to drink. Um, and this works. This really works. Wie viel Zeit habe ich noch? Okay. Uh, because I have a good experience with that. I was the shyest person ever in my neighborhood. Not with my friends, but I didn't want to share my faith in my neighborhood where, where I lived. And my sister, she wanted to share our faith because she said all our neighbors know that we are going to church every Sabbath. They know that. They see us leaving the house nicely dressed with the Bible. <laughs> so she said we have to invite them. And I said, no, 
<laughs> she said, I do it. And I said, okay, I'm out of the house. <laughs> she said, no, we want to invite them as a family. And I said, okay, do it. <laughs> she said, no, you help me. Okay, I said, okay. And she prepared invitation cards for all the neighborhood. And not only the close neighborhood, for three streets um, around our neighborhood four weeks before Christmas, and she put on this invitation cards, um, dear neighbors and friends, uh, family bias, our family, invites you very warmly to um, um, a Wednesday, uh, it's called Advent meeting, because Advent is the time before Christmas, I don't know, Genau, <laughs> Advent meeting, um, to our house, we have biscuits and tea, and we really want to think about what Christmas really means. And um, then we put the topics for the four weeks. First week, Jesus Christ yesterday. Um, second week, Jesus Christ today, and Jesus Christ forever. And the last um, me uh, devotion was about um, Christmas because it was the Wednesday before Christmas. The first week, we put the invitation cards in all the mailboxes, <laughs> and the close neighbors, we invited going to their doors and inviting them. First week, one neighbor came. We were so disappointed. <laughs> but one neighbor came, and we didn't even know her. She was from two streets away, so we didn't know her, but she was curious, and she wanted to know. Second week, eight people came, eight people into our house. Third week, 12 people came beside our family. And the last week, 24 people were in our living room. And I say, Jesus is so good. I was the one, no, I, was, I, don't, I don't want to have this small group. It was a big group. It wasn't a small group anymore. After the, that four weeks, the neighbor said, and now? Christmas, Christmas is there and we won't meet anymore. <laughs> and we said, no problem, dear neighbors. <laughs> we can keep on meeting you every Wednesday if you want to do that. Um, and we have some topics out of the Bible, uh, from the Bible. And they said, oh, yes, this is what we want to do. This small group has been going on the last one and a half years. This Christmas, it will be the third time doing that. And the small group has about eight to 12 people coming and many, many non-Adventists. Just our family is Adventist. And it's uh, such a blessing. It connects the whole neighborhood. Catholics, Protestants, we are giving them topics from the Bible, not just doctrine, not at all. We share Jesus, we share um, parables. parables of Jesus. Um, and then when they ask, for example, we, we take stories like Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, where they have to ask, huh, he's sleeping? Where does the soul go? Oh, the soul doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> and then we can start talking about those topics, but we don't tell them, today we want to study about the state of the death. <laughs> we, we have to be wise, okay? Um, and the last point is, 
When they have more questions, always offer them to meet with them personally to show them from the Bible how the Bible would answer their questions. And this is for me the SOS program. S for self-confident, obvious, and selfless. And then when you do that, you have to, you have to apply it in endurance, pray for them, keep in contact, invite them to a small group maybe, or to Bible studies. And this is how you can share your faith, because often we just saw, so, so, we just saw, <laughs> but we don't have a goal. We don't have the aim to bring them really to Christ. So sowing is good. It's really good just to share the faith, but pick the persons that are really interested. Pick them and do that. What should we do? We should pray. We should keep in contact and we should small groups and um, Bible studies. We have to have a, a goal. We have to really have this burden on our hearts to bring them Jesus, not just a little bit. Why, do, why am I doing that? Yes, that's very good. And this is the first step. But then go farther and farther. Okay? Did you get that? Okay, so ready, steady, go. <laughs> we are all little children, but God is good. He's the one doing it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right. Our next practical topic is how can I share my personal testimony? Yeah. And um, basically... Basically, what does it mean to give a testimony? What does it mean? What is a testimony? Yes. Share your experience. Share your experience, right? What else? Yes, to say how I found Jesus in my life, right? It's just to tell a story, to tell a story in such a way that people are interested to listen to it and they find some, something which they didn't hear anywhere else. So, how can we do this? Okay. How can we do this? What is the structure of a personal testimony? We want now to open our Bibles. Please turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. And I would love to have somebody read this, verses 4 to 11. Verses 4 to 11 in chapter 26. Yes, please. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, and 
now I stand and am um, judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, uh, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raised, raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Okay, thank you very much. So, we can see here, Paul is talking to King Agrippa. And what is he telling about? What does he tell? the past, right. So his life before he met Jesus. It's very simple. He's going through all the points, what he did before. So this is the first step before Jesus. And then the second one we can see verses 12 to 18. Let's continue to read. Who wants to read? Yes, please. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? Is it, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Thank you. So what does he describe here? Right, it's Paul's conversion. And I find it very interesting that Paul is going through that exactly in this way. And the next one, what does he mention next from 19 to 23? Who, who wants to read? Yes, please. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but shoot first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, 
So we can see now, what does he describe? <coughs> yes, his life with Jesus now. What does he experience now? What is he doing now? And I think it's very interesting because Paul, he was surely the one who was going and giving testimony to everybody. He went to the Gentiles and he went to the ones who never heard of it. He also went to the Jews. And every time he was giving a testimony exactly to the person he was talking to. So now he's talking to King Agrippa. And finally, he had a question for him in verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? So this was like his final, he was telling his story and then he was asking, do you believe the prophets? He was like building a whole story and then asking him for a reaction. And this is what it is actually all about the testimony. We want to share them. How, how can we, how had we have a life before Jesus? What, how was it at the conversion? And then how it is with Jesus. So when we now try to apply this for our own, we saw this example with Paul in Acts. How can we apply this on our own testimony? What would you mention when you think about before I knew Jesus or before I lived with Jesus, what would you say to the people? Just give me some points. What would you tell people? How was your life before? Without sense, Without sense right? Without purpose, Without purpose okay. Without real joy. Okay. Too much confusion. Too much confusion without real joy, yes. Again, please. Seeking artificial. Artificial. Okay, artificial. Yes. Rebellion. Okay, but how can you um, describe them so they understand, like what you experienced during that life? Depression. Yeah. How how do you tell them? Like, again. It's per yes, that's right. Everybody's different. But just to illustrate them, how, how did you live really? Godless? What does that mean? <laughs> they won't understand? You need to use their language. Mm -hmm. How can you use it? You have to go back uh, to the time. No? Mm -hmm. You have to dive into what you were thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have to go back to your thinking, how you were thinking before. That's right. So, yes. Yes, that we are going to seek selfless. Mm -hmm. We seek to glorify you personally. <coughs> we seek to desire everything in the world, the house, the car, the money. Yes. Things of the world you desire. What you desire before, right? Yes, that's right. So I put this in this, like, which influences had an impact on your life? Yeah, wh what was the important things in your life? Was it, I don't know, friends? Was it riches? Was it anything? So what was it which was, like, guiding your life before your conversion? What was different? Or 
even like, what made you think, maybe as a Seventh-day Adventist, what made you think that there, that there must be a God? Or how, how is it possible that I can find him? Or just like when you grow up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, sometimes it's difficult because you're just grown up in the church. You hear all about those stories. But you may not have really answered with your heart about all these beliefs. You just got there, you went every Sabbath, but it didn't really touch your heart. So you can also share them how you felt that way and how you just went there, but you didn't think about. And, but then we go to the next step, my conversion. So what could I share now? What would you share? How I found Jesus? Yes. How Jesus led you through your um, experiences yes. to him. Yes, how Jesus led you to him, like which were the steps, which were your questions, where you got an answer? Yes. Um, so what happened exactly to you? That you really came to the point to take the decision for Jesus? So this is like the question, what happened really? And if we can explain this, illustrate this in an easy, practical way, people can understand it. Or for Seventh-day Adventists, sometimes it's not like a real big conversion story, like from a non-Adventist or from a Catholic becoming an Adventist. But still, even Adventist kids, they have experiences with God. And even if it's small, it is their experience. And we can share this experience which led us to our conversion. And it's very important to remember and to explain it in a very practical way. So, and then and really to mention, how did I invite Jesus in my life? How does it work? How does it work? Can somebody explain that to me? When I begin to practice what Jesus says, it begins very real. Because yes. Before it was like just theory. Yes. And Jesus, Jesus, but what is Jesus? I don't understand. Yes. When I begin to practice, like being good with others, even if I didn't want it, <laughs> it begins to become an habit. Yes. Then I know. I know. Okay. I experience. Mm -hmm. Like when you spend time with your friend, more than you spend, more you know this friend too. More yes. Spend time with Jesus, you know more. Mm -hmm. Yes, you invite him in your life and you do pray to Jesus. Yes. And then my new life in Jesus. Now this should be like the, um, the emphasis on. I shouldn't glorify my past. I should really explain exactly what happened through my conversion or what brought me to take this decision. And now I should have some good reasons why my new life is more beautiful. Yeah, what is the difference? So how, what could I share? The purpose now, the purpose now right? Yes. Fear disappeared. Yes, wonderful. I think sometimes when you're doing this, 
the new should always be um, drawn or related back to the old. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you're in a, when you before you were um, found Christ, you were in a state of confusion. But the emphasis then after is really that, you know, after I found Christ, I was no longer confused. Mm -hmm. And that's generally what the testimony, or how Christ, I think, gives us a testimony. Because he shows us where we were, and then he, sh he pulls us out of that. And that's the, the end result. And I think sharing where you are now, that's, that's the, um, the, the new life. That it's opportunity for new life. Yeah. Yes, your new life, right. And somebody, I think you mentioned peace. Yes, please. I try to be very practical. For example, I say, uh, now I have a, somebody who is answering my prayers. And I, I have received a wonderful life and a wonderful family I would never have without it. Mm -hmm. So it's very concrete. So it's to understand yes. why I'm doing You have somebody who guides your life. Yes, wonderful. Okay, I put it from, yes, how did your life change and which advantages did you discover? What are you experiencing? And then this final question. This final question also Paul was asking King Agrippa, what could it be? Like a question to, to get a reaction of the other person, to think about, what could it be? Uh, it's interesting, um, these two verses, uh, how uh, Agrippa <coughs> answered uh, when uh, Paul said to him, do you believe the prophets? Agrippa said, uh, you almost pursued me to become a Christian. That, uh, Paul didn't, didn't directly pursue him to become a Christian. He felt uh, an attraction. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Mm -hmm. Right. So what could this question also be? Like, do you believe in the prophets? Do you believe in the Bible? That was kind of what Paul was asking. Yes, wonderful. Yes. Do you think you can receive the same happiness I received? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yes, please. Can they ask what struggles they have? Yes. Find a solution, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, if God helped me in my life and changed my life, do you believe that God can change your life? Wonderful. If God can change your life, yes. Wonderful. So, this final question helps that you get a reaction. Like you're sharing your testimony and at the end you want, want to see where this person stands now. You want to feel, um, did he touch his or her heart? What, what is this person thinking about? And it also helps to take a decision. Even King Agrippa almost was at the point to become a Christian. And it may also open the heart of the other person that you may offer a prayer. And you may have the possibility to pray with this person. It doesn't have to be, but it may open the way. You even can ask a question before, like, do you want to he hear how I or how my life changed or something like that to introduce your testimony? Yes. So 
be brief and to the point. Do it to the point. Be precise. And then this point was um, already mentioned. Put the interests of your acquaintance above. Look where are his interests. And highlight all the aspects in your story, in your experience, which match to that interest. So that's the flexibility. Now, we will write down now our testimonies. And it will be like a structure for you for the future. But still, this is like a flexible structure. So every time I share my testimony, it was every time a little different. <laughs> but still, you, you have the assurance. You, you put it down. You wrote it down. And you know what to share. And then you are free to, to do it flexibly. Write to that person what that person needs. So. Well, I think now it's the time to share my testimony. Um, to give you an example, and yeah, in my life, I grew up as a Christian, in a Christian home, and I had a happy childhood. But still, this didn't make automatically a Christian out of me. I went to church, um, I enjoyed it, but it didn't touch my heart yet. During my teenage time, I just went to church to see my friends. I didn't want to listen to the sermon or anything. I just wanted to see my friends and talk to them and do something with them. It took some time until I really started to ask my own questions. Is the Bible right? What does it say there? How is that God? Can I experience him? And all those questions. And I started to find answers. And um, I was talking to people. I was more looking for myself in the Bible, and I, I really found some answers. And, but my experience finally was during my high school time. It came to the end before the final exams. It was very stressful for me. And somehow it happened that I got involved in something which became bigger than I thought it could ever become. It was like that. that um, Somebody shared an information, and somebody else heard of it. And I just happened to be there, and I was like, oh, yes, it was like that. And then this person made a whole big thing of it. Of it. And I was just like in the middle of it, and I, was, I didn't attend any of this. And I felt really like I was judged in the wrong way, or I was, <laughs> it just became too big for me. I felt very insecure. I felt no peace. It was the stress to learn for my exams. It was like a big storm in my life. And especially in that time, I started to pray hard to God. I was like, Lord, please help me. I cannot do it. And in that time, I experienced his peace. His peace who calmed me down, who gave me the strength to go through and to do my exams, however it was. And I, I finally had good results, and God was giving me the assurance he is a God of peace. From that point on, I, I, I decided I want to know more about that personal God who gives me this peace, who cares for me personally in my life, who gives me what I need. And I took the decision to give my life to Jesus. I prayed to him and said, please, I, I want to live with you. And I got baptized, and after that, 
God led me in a very special way to his mission school and from there on into different countries like America, Brazil, Austria. And I'm very, I'm very happy to see that Jesus is the Lord in my life who guides me through all of those steps. It's like an adventure sometimes. It's also a big experience to trust in God, even if you're far abroad and you know nobody else. But God is there, and he's taking, he took care of my life. And that's what I really love to yeah, share with somebody, to see uh, this is my God, and he's here right at the moment. And my question would be, like, did you experience something like that, that God is here to take care of you? Um, now I would love that you go together two by two. We will have papers for you and that you write down your own story with these three points and that you share two by two your stories. And at the end, I will ask um, some of you to come forward to share his testimony. Okay? But first, two by two, write down your story and then at the end, we will see how much time we have left. Okay? Hi, I have to share my testimony this evening, so I'm practicing now. <laughs> Don't see my mistakes, please. Okay, I am Franceli, I am from Mexico, and I just came to make my studies in music here in Geneva. But I will begin to do the three points of my testimony. Sorry. Um, I, I grew in an Adventist family. My, my parents uh, get converted when I was five, five years. So automatically I began to grow in a, in a church way. I went to church every Sabbath with them. But then uh, we, begin, we do activities in the church and I grew up and I go to make musical stuff and I begin to sing at church, to play, to do many things. But in my house, I didn't see that real love, what church means. There wasn't a congruence between the church and my house. My father was very strict with Ellen White. Ellen White everywhere, Ellen White. We have to eat this and this and this and this. But the relationship between my father and my mother wasn't the best. So love doesn't really matter, uh, meaning it, it wasn't very clear for me. So we used to go to church. My, we looked like the perfect family at church. Yes, oh, your, your daughters are beautiful. You eat very good. Oh, your daughter plays very good the flute. And, ah, thanks, thanks. We got to house. My father went into the room, and we were separated, and church finished. And then next Sabbath, hi, we are the perfect family. And, uh, and then uh, my mother was very concerning about because she, she see that I was, what, I was, this was my example. And what happened when I will get married then? And if I wanted to find someone, this was my example, to be very good at church, but at home, more or less. So my mother decided to send me to United States to, to be myself. 
So I begin to travel to Walwood. I went to Walwood too as a volunteer. And then I wanted to study music in Europe. So I came here in Geneva in Lyon. And I see how God led me in different places and put great people, very Christian people to show me the, the practical and the real love. Because, uh, and the thing that bring me real to understand, I was in a relationship with someone, but it didn't work because I did the same. I was very good at church. I was leading everything and bringing people to the church. But my relationship with my ex-boyfriend, it wasn't the best. I wasn't, I wasn't congruent with him what I was preaching. So that really broke my heart. I got in a depression. I was very, very, very bad. Like, how come, how come Christians... We, are, we have very good church, but we don't have real relationship. We don't experience love with others. How come? Then, after finishing my studies in Lyon, and after this breaking up with my ex-boyfriend, uh, I was accepted in Geneva, uh, in the conservatory. And a family just sent me an email. I was looking for a place to live. And I wanted a family because I really need a family to, to see that love exists, real love exists. And uh, this family sent me an email. I put an announcement in Cologne, in the Adventist University. I am looking for a family where to live. This family write me, we would love to have one person here at home. Um, tell us when you want to come here. So I say, well, I, I can go. Yeah, you can come since September and don't worry. I arrive to the house and I say, well, I just want to ask you what should I have to do for you if I have to pay or something. Don't worry, you can stay here as much as you want. We just want that you can do your studies very well. Wow. You don't need me to pay or to do something? Don't worry, you just have, of course, you have to do cleaning and help me a little bit with the kitchen and everything, but like normal. I go, we eat together, we sing together as a family, wow. Like, they don't argue between, the family don't argue, oh, they don't argue, the kids, they, they hug each other, and I, we eat together. I feel like in a family, and I say, well, love exists, maybe. And, and so one time, when I just forget, when I first get into this house, I didn't have an experience yet, Jesus. I always uh, hear about Jesus, 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 Jesus. What is this Jesus? I don't understand this Jesus yet. And then I just went to my room, my new room. Welcome to your room. And then I see a little heart there. Jesus loves you. And then my, my heart broke like, oh, this Jesus is following me everywhere. What What this? What that means? So, and then I begin to pray like, yes, I'm, I'm looking for you. And I realized that I was looking for Jesus all the time. And, and, and with this family, I realized that they were Jesus in them. And, and it just became so practical. I didn't read what I wrote. <laughs> so now, what can I do for, what can I really retain? that now I want to do with others what 
this, what these people did to me. So I encourage you, and my question is, have you experienced this Jesus in a practical way? Yeah. <laughs> Not three minutes, but... <laughs> Don't want to stop listening. You can continue. <laughs> I understand that you talked to us, so you talked about Sabbath, about Adventists. But when you don't talk to Adventists, then you need to not talk about these kind of thing because then they will ask, "Oh, Adventists, they don't follow your thoughts. They think about Adventists and Sabbath and don't understand." So you you want to not talk about it first, but you can tell the same story in different ways. Yeah, right. Now to close, I want to give you uh, this, this sketch. I will not do because time is up. But I want to give you some uh, uh, motivating uh, quotations and uh, some two other uh, ideas from Ellen White. Ellen White was in Europe. And she saw that the work in Europe is special and is difficult. And she tried to encourage the members and the workers there she says, there is a great work to be done in Europe. It may seem to move slowly, hard at first, but God will work mightily through you if you only make an entire surrender to him. Much of the time you will have to walk by faith, not by feeling. Is this your experience? Yes. It's hard at times. It takes longer. But God will work if you continue. So keep on. Just do what God says. In Lausanne, there was a, a group working, and she said, it is very hard to get any hold of the people. The only way that we find to be successful is in holding Bible readings. And in this way, the interest is started with one or two or three. Then these visit others and try to interest others. And thus the work moves slowly as it has done in Lausanne. Slowly, but visiting, encouraging people. Okay, just a few slides, then it's finished. If you um, sow radishes, how long does it take until they can be um, harvested? A few weeks only. Huh? But if you, take, if you sow apple trees, it takes longer. But then you can also harvest a long time, every year. And I think... Europeans, when you want to reach them, they are not radishes, but they are apple trees you sow. It takes a long time, but once you have won them, they are wonderful people, and they grow, bring fruit, many, many, many. So Ellen White says, but by persevering individual efforts, by visiting the people at their homes, you will win them. That's my experience and my personal experience as well. We have... Um, Two more experiences I want to share with you, how we can reach in our territory many people with the gospel. That is by a booth for free books. We put up a tent in the center of the town. We have a table and we set, put books there. If you leave it like that, nobody will come, only a few people. But the, the thing we do afterwards, we have a, a leaflet, uh, we have uh, cards, and on this card is written, a free gift, get a free book at your choice at the booth. And we give this to the people. Children can do this. 
people who cannot talk may do this. And people take and say, oh, interesting, what's there? And what happens is this. Look how many people come. It's all full. They take. And we uh, have given, uh, in the last three weeks, we had a campaign, uh, such a program in one town in Germany. 300 books in two hours we end out. Isn't that wonderful? Just uh, an idea. Even more. Four. Or mountain hiking mission. That's very new. We did it uh, just two times. We invited uh, friends to come with us for a mountain trip. Uh, Steffi and Amanda and me, we like to hike, so we said, let's go and invite friends. And then uh, up in the mountain, we had uh, our picnic, and then we had some Bible study together. We prayed at the beginning and at the end, and it was so wonderful because then we had discussions all the time with the people. And it was so natural, nothing forced, and uh, for every one of us, it was a happy time. You see here, Steffi, on the top. <laughs> so we have the mountains one hour from our, our town. And you may have also some wonderful places to go to. Take your friends. <laughs> here, another group. Now, this is now a new mission we want to continue. Uh, we call ourselves Wandervögel, birds. Okay, just a few more ideas we have given you now. And we want to finish now. Uh, we have given you a feedback card. We would like to get your answer. What you learned from this seminar, from this workshop, what you want to apply, and some other more ideas uh, you, uh, you can cross on, what you like to uh, help, where you want to get help to uh, be more effective as a witness. We then try to help you uh, as much as we can. And then, when you're finished, you can go and put the card in the green box at the, at the door. So, yes, maybe we pray first before you finish, and then you can go. Our dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we're so happy that we can be your witnesses, even in Europe, where it is difficult to work for you, and people are not very interested, but you have people who are open. And please now guide us on the way in the work, in the study, at home, so that those people who are really have an open heart can hear our testimony, can hear our, uh, our faith and, and accept it. So please guide us and help us that we can make good experiences next week even, and we can be encouraged to be a missionary church, a missionary Christian, until you come back and bring us home to see the big harvest we can then reap with you. In the name of Jesus, amen. This message was recorded through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. GYC a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.